Welcome to Tech Talk Nation, talking about the latest tech, industry news, and hot topics. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Visit our website at techtalknation.com. Good evening and welcome to Tech Talk Nation. I'm your host, Matt Fitzgerald. Apologies for the little late delay here. We had a little bit of technical issue getting the uh, stream working right. Uh, but we are all good to go now and we are happy to be here today. It is a super nice day today and we have a ton of tech news to get to today. It is going to be a lot of fun and we are going to have a great show for you today. So uh, today... Uh, we have Ryan with us, and uh, Ryan is back after a little uh, hiatus here. Uh, you had a, uh, a project that was coming up, right? Uh, yes, a short-term hiatus to finish uh, senior design projects for school. Very it nice, happened. very nice. And uh, tell the good people, were you making anything interesting? Uh, mildly. Uh, it depends on what you find interesting. Uh Basically, what we were making was just a conveyor belt that can sort packages really quickly. Very cool. Very cool. Well, we are super happy to have you back here, and uh, it is always a lot of fun to have you on the show. And uh, I understand that you have a little bit of a, a beef with the last uh, couple of episodes that you were in here for. I think things have probably been too positive towards Apple. I am ah. here to write. All righty. Well, I am super excited to get into it today. Uh, we have a wonderful show for you. We have a bunch of weird and kind of odd tech articles, and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun today. So um, our first story today comes from Kansas City, good old Kansas City, Missouri. So Kansas City Chiefs uh, Sean Culkin became the first NFL player to convert his entire salary to Bitcoin. He converted his entire salary to Bitcoin um, and basically said, yeah, he was 27, uh, joined in February and converted his salary to Bitcoin and played 19 games so far. So um, that's really interesting to see. I'm not sure what to think about that one. I'm not sure if I'd do the I, same thing. I love it. You love it? I love it. I think he's ahead of the curve. Okay. Uh, to get into a short sidetrack on economics, just to talk about this for a second. Wait, wait, wait. We got to do our disclaimer before you go oh, no, to no, economics. No, no. Oh, I'm not making advice this time. I'm just talking about economics generally right now. Awesome. We're good for now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, inflation is this thing where money's not worth as much as it is before. And inflation can go up and down artificially because governments can print money versus cryptocurrencies, which have a set standard. Their inflation rate is always constant. And I believe the current inflation rate of U.S. currency to Bitcoin uh, favors Bitcoin as a lower rate of inflation. Interesting. I, I did not know that. Hmm. So what I'm saying is that's kind of like a way of hedging some of his money against inflation, I imagine. Okay. And I, I don't know. I, I still see the value in all the cryptocurrency and stuff like that. Like, I see there's value there. I'd just be very concerned if I have my primary source of income in some form of currency that a government entity can just be like, all right, we're banning that now. Like, all right, bye-bye. 
I know there was something going through India, uh, basically like trying to get rid of crypto. So I'm not sure what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, so it's kind of, uh, I don't want to say unbannable, to be honest, but like. Okay, interesting. Uh, I don't want to say unbannable because China can manage it pretty well because they basically have an intranet versus an internet. So yeah, intranet. They have things facing inwards in in China basically, and they have a lot of control without like converting to that. It's really hard to ban these things, but uh, because you have like you can ban exchanges and all that from people, but you have things called decentralized exchanges that you can't really like ban someone from getting to. Uh, a lot of the times there are things that can easily be accessed through Tor or whatnot. So like another like good luck, you know, banning that and everything. But right. uh, yeah, you do get places where I think India was considering making it illegal to own it at all. Right, right. Yeah, we, we talked about that a couple episodes ago, I believe. Um, but basically, uh, yeah, I I mean, for me at least... I, I see the value. I see everything. I just don't think crypto is mature enough yet to where I would want my bajillion dollar salary that I'm sure a pro football player is making going directly into Bitcoin rather than like US dollars that I could put in actual trusted bank. Uh, I mean, I don't know about that. Bitcoin is fairly... Uh, mature you can buy tons of stuff with it through paypal at this point and oh yeah that's other right things. yeah you use paypal cash app there's a lot of uh different services that you can just completely do all your business in bitcoin if you so please uh you have you know uh tesla buying i forget how much bitcoin like 20 or 30 million or something yeah like might have been a lot i can't remember yeah i thought they said so, like 27 million dollars somewhere Unless that's what they uh, made off of the interest of it. <laughs> so far, they might have, because it's going up and up. But uh, yeah, Bitcoin seems probably plenty mature. Ethereum's probably right on Bitcoin's tail for being mature enough to handle that. Like, okay. I mean, I don't know. I think I think it's a clever decision. I don't know if I do one hundred percent the way he did. Uh, yeah, I could see like fifty fifty, but. Yeah, he's the first one to go all in on it, but uh, I think it's a year and a half ago now, so this says 12-30-2020, so for that season, uh, one of the Carolina Panthers players uh, took half of his salary in Bitcoin. Okay. Hmm. And just based off the prices then, uh, Bitcoin was hovering at, I think, 22000 then, a Bitcoin. So he has already made probably it looks like six and a half plus million in uh since twelve thirty twenty twenty. So what is that six months about? He's made six million off that already, and he's just a random offensive tackle. What? <laughs> what? Yeah. Uh. Okay. His salary million. He put half of it in Bitcoin, and he's already Jeez. made six million off of it in six months. So. Jeez. Talk about your ROI right there. (laughs) But, uh, geez, that is ridiculous. (laughs) I mean, yeah, at the same time, like it was, I think this last week or two while I was gone. So I don't know how much crypto talk happened, but, uh, 
I mean, people were worried for a little bit because it looked like Bitcoin was kind of taking a spill. It's since bounced back, recovered. I think it's up above 60 again. Mm -hmm. uh, last I checked, what that was yesterday, so who knows? Yeah, definitely. But yeah, like, let's say Bitcoin takes a huge tumble. Uh, I think this is wild speculation. Don't take my advice on this one. There it is. Yeah. I'm, I'm guessing the new floor for Bitcoin is around like 25K. The new okay. floor. So when it, because eventually it will drop again. That's just what happens. Right. I assume when it drops, it's going to settle around 25K. That's my guess. Interesting. When that is, no clue. Who knows? <laughs> well, but yeah, I like it. I, I, to, to sum it up, I like it. I think it's a interesting idea. I don't know if I'd go 100% on it like he did, though. Yeah, that's that's my only reservation. Like, I'm fine taking a little bit. Maybe maybe the stuff that I would consider play money, but, like, not necessarily, like, the... Um, yeah. I'd go 50 to 75% on it. Really? Okay. Like, for, for me, at least, I would I would be like, all right, I'll take, like, maybe 30 40%. Like, the stuff that I can, I can either spend on cool stuff or put away and save or put in an investment, I mean, so. Yeah, two seconds, though. Like, what's his yearly salary? Who, Sean Culkin? Yeah. Let's see. Sean Culkin. Salary. Um, $920,000. Mm. Okay, so he's actually taking more of a risk then than some of the other players who get paid a lot more. I mean, it's still $920,000. Like... Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> I'm not dismissing that, but, you know. What's it? Our quarterback gets paid, what is it, $60 million? If they're really good. Something, something ridiculous. I forget what... Oh. I forget what a uh, uh, Drew Brees made, but he was making yeah. a lot before he uh, yeah. called it quits. So, but, jeez, uh, that is insane. Just insane to me, though. Like, like I said, I could see going into like your play money. You can investment, do whatever you want with it. It's just like I'd rather have at least some of it in a currency in which. I will wake up and not realize I lost 20 grand overnight uh, just because. So, oh man, I've lost in the last two weeks, man, I've lost like 20% of my portfolio and got it all back. Or you just, at a certain point, you just throw your hands up in the air and just say, I'm here for the ride. <laughs> That's a good way of putting it. If you accept the risk, roll with the punches. As we say in the crypto world, hodl, hold on for dear life. Very nice. Speaking about holding on for dear life, uh, <laughs> I, I had to get that. I had to go straight into this. Okay, speaking of holding on to dear life, SpaceX Crew 1, the astronauts returned to Earth in a rare nighttime splashdown uh, this morning, actually. They returned at like 3.30 uh, or yeah, just before 3 a.m. Eastern Time uh, and uh, off the coast of Florida in the Gulf. And uh, basically, this is the first time there has been a nighttime U.S. splashdown since Apollo 8 in 1968. That is just super cool to think about. And I, I'm excited. I'm excited for what this, this uh, can bring uh, to just have these, these uh, crew members return back 
similar to how it was back in the day when we were sending people to the moon. Like, it was pretty cool. Yeah. Come on, Elon. Moon base when? <laughs> yeah, I mean, who knows? Maybe they'll make a sketch about that when he hosts SNL. Who knows? But Oh, they, there, there's got to be a uh, Mars-based-like sketch at some point. Has to be. Uh, what did he want to call it? Starlink, Texas? <laughs> What? That's where he wants to name. Isn't that what he wants to name the city? No, not Starlink. Is it Starbase? What was it? I thought it was no. The the yeah, he wants to name it Starbase, I believe, or uh, yeah, Starbase Texas. Spaceport, I think. I thought it was Starbase. Hold on, Elon. This is important. Hold this, on. This is very important to the discussion of this article. I mean, it's Elon. I'm happy to talk about it. Starbase. Starbase. You were right. Yes. That's pretty cool. From thence, the star, from thence to Mars and hence the stars. <laughs> nice. But uh, yeah, basically it's it's going to be uh uh it's going to be cool to see. Yeah, it's going to be super cool uh to see what's what's going on. And I found this kind of funny. Uh later in the article they say, "We welcome you back to planet Earth. Thanks for flying SpaceX." And <laughs> <laughs> You know, and yeah, I think it said uh, two JAXA, one NASA, so that's two uh, American astronauts, two Japanese. Right. Um, and, no, looks three. Sorry, three NASA, one JAXA. Yep, that may have been the next one. Uh, but the the funny the funnier part after uh, after they they touch down is they say thank you for flying uh, uh, SpaceX. Then Mission Control goes for those of you enrolled in our frequent flyer program, you've earned sixty eight million <laughs> miles on this voyage. <laughs> and then and then mike hopkins goes we'll we'll take those miles are they transferable <laughs> oh i love it that is so fun i mean that's the thing i like about about stuff like this it's like just have fun with it like it's it's the the thing i like about space and science in general is people working together people are just trying to do good and yeah. It's like with the space stuff. How could you not be excited over that? Like we sent people to a thing in space and got them back in one piece. Like that's freaking yeah. cool. To a giant hunk of metal and just launch some people into the sky. I mean, yeah. My, my old roommate uh, back in school, uh, he used to joke with all of the uh, aeronautical engineers that we worked with. He said, uh, he was a nuclear engineer and he goes, you guys just make the leaky bombs. <laughs> uh, but is your reactors are meant to leak. Yeah. You guys just make the things that are supposed to leak. And uh, yeah, but your it's projects are supposed to explode. Mine doesn't. <laughs> right. It is super, super yeah. cool to, uh, to see this though. Uh, they were up there uh, for 167 days. Um, and it was the longest crew launching from the U.S. Uh, since 1974, uh, breaking that previous record by 84 days. So, very cool. So, yeah, it's from what I understand, working there is like you're working so so hard so much of the time, but in the end, it's you know kind of worth it just because. I mean, clearly they have a sense of humor, right? Work is really intense and difficult. Yeah, I mean, like you you got to have fun with it. What's life without a little yeah. comedy? It's just boring. Yeah. But it's cool. I mean, they they're using voice chat and all that stuff. 
uh, for all of the uh, uh, radioing back and forth. But they're recording. They aren't recording that technically. I mean, they they are, of course. But uh, how about your voice chats during games? You want those recorded? You want you want to have that that recorded in in games? Well. Uh, the next article we got for you today is Riot Games is going to be recording Valorant voice chats and a review for harassment and hate speech. Long story short, basically they've updated their privacy terms of service to say they can now record and potentially review voice chats of players who are using Riot-owned voice comms channel. So basically saying that they're trying to do this uh, to, like just see what's going on and everything like that. It says, even though the legal document gives us the ability to capture voice data, League of Legends, Wild Rift, and Team Flight Tactics currently have no plans to record player voice chat or expand the voice chat capabilities beyond party voice chat. And long story short, uh, basically they're just going to say when somebody reports an issue, they're going to evaluate and examine whether um, behavior agreements are violated and stuff like that. And then um, they'll delete the the voice chat afterwards and discipline the player uh, however they see fit. And I'm not sure how I feel about this. This is uh, this is interesting. How about you, Ryan? Uh, I give it six months before they're selling your voice chats to some company somewhere. <laughs> Just as okay. a further way to monetize your game. <laughs> That's my I guess. Mean... I could see that. I, I understand why they'd want to do it, though, just from a point of making sure everybody's safe, making sure the online community doesn't become toxic or hateful, um, and why you'd want to have the evidence to discipline a player. But at the same time, this opens up the gates, like you said. Where's that next step heading? I, I think generally all it ever accomplishes is just people get more creative with how they insult people. I think that's really all it accomplishes. Like, <laughs> I I still remember the days of what like like uh, club Modern Warfare and... Two and Halo Three. Oh, if you're talking about voice chats. Oh, I I meant like te- even text chats. Like back in text, text chats with... days. Yeah. You you couldn't even like like the the things designed for kids and stuff like that uh like club penguin and stuff they they'd like blur out the word that you couldn't use uh, and you'd have to like backspace and you couldn't send the message but it's not necessarily the same in a voice chat you can't really patrol it as much but people became really 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 creative in how they'd insult people in club penguin exactly yeah how how you'd insult people so yeah I mean, anytime you include a voice chat, like, listen, people are going to just be mean to each other. That's what happens. It's a voice chat. People are going to be toxic and mean. It's competitive environment voice chat. Like, I remember the days of Modern Warfare 2 and Halo 3. Like, it was a cesspool. There's no other way to word it. I mean, I also feel like if you're joining a voice chat at this day and age, you should at least be con like conscious of like, Hey, don't be a jerk. And big brother is probably watching me somehow. Should. And are people going to, or very different statements. People very aren't true. going to it. Yeah. You're entering into a competitive environment where people are going to just be toxic and flame people. And 
find new ways to insult people. It's in a voice chat. It's kind of inevitable. Yeah, I, that's I, why the that's why the exist. Yeah, is like I don't want to deal with all these toxic people. We're muting everyone. I'm done here. Right, right, right. Yeah, technically that's a lot easier to resolve because you can literally just have banned word lists and just auto ban people for using. Not e- or or like like they had just unable to send the message until you remove whatever's offending. So yeah, yeah. Ah, cool. Well, moving on to our next topic here. Our next topic we got is about Cisco. They're saying a computer chip shortage uh, could last six months. Basically, uh, long story short, because of the pandemic, firms are making fancier computer chips that are higher margin because they can't make as many. And it's screwing over companies like Cisco that need lower quality chips that aren't as complex, like your, your standard microprocessors and stuff like that to actually create the compute that runs the rest of the world. It's, it's just completely crazy. They talk about uh, TSMC, like there's all sorts of supply chain issues that are coming out of the pandemic that we're just starting to see. And the biggest, biggest uh, um, like splash in, in that, in my opinion, is the computer chip shortage that's currently happening. It's going to be interesting yeah. to see what happens here. Yeah, even like the uh, pricey like uh, chips that, you know, like GPUs and CPUs and all that are still, you know, that price is still going up and up. Has been for a little while. I still think to get like a GPU right now, you're paying $300 or something over retail price or something. Right. Yeah, that's to say nothing of the fact that like, routers switches and all that they need all that as well and it's hard to make it and replace those parts of the internet infrastructure if uh all the money is going towards the like pricier applications like phones and whatnot exactly and and that's the thing i i think a lot of people don't really realize like hey this is what actually runs the internet like your phone is just a, a means to access everything else but all this this very big enterprise gear, all this this uh, these servers and stuff like this, really need the compute power more than your phone because they're mm-hmm. actually doing the computation to get you said data. All your phone is doing is just displaying it nice for you. So yeah, that's the same thing of like everything else that we've shoved computers in. Ah, uh, I can't remember the name of, or the car manufacturer who it was, but I remember talking to him. I was like, oh yeah, this car plant had to basically suspend production because they couldn't get Ford, enough. I think it might've been, I know was, they did they that couldn't in the get... South side of Chicago. That might've been it. They just couldn't get enough chips. So they couldn't put out their cars cause they don't have the computers to run them. Like, honestly, it's, it, it's insane because we're, we're seeing this, this trickle down and there's just a lot of, issues that have come out of the pandemic in terms of the supply chain, in terms of what's going on, in terms of all of the, the, the different ways in which these companies are, are doing business. Like if I, I don't necessarily fault a person in charge of like TSMC or any of these really big semiconductor manufacturers, like, Hey, I could pay the same amount of workers and I could use maybe 
a little more time and I could make triple the profit during this, this weird time, or I could just have business as normal and just do our normal thing. I mean, I yeah. understand why they'd make that decision, but when you have these large manufacturers basically all collectively doing that, it causes an issue. I mean, to flex more of my economic chops, uh, <laughs> uh, supply and demand, you know, demand's really high right now. So, right. How much can you supply? And then this would be a time for other companies, say, I don't know, TI or something to say, oh, we have an opening here to like open a new place or like step up production. And like, we can make a lot of money by making these lower end chips and, you know, selling them to everybody. Right, right. I don't know how long it takes to tool a factory and create that. It might be too long. I don't know. I I simply don't know. I mean, I my uh, my VSLC design isn't too too great here. But all I do know is your clean rooms can be pretty quickly configured to make whatever you need to make because of the 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 silicon and basically the number of processes you go through yeah. to make extra. I mean, just to expand and open a new, like, factory, basically, at this oh, point. Oh, okay. So, like, actually because, making the real thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, I mean, with demand so high and supply so low, you can charge, you know, extra over what you'd norm or what the, you know, pre-pandemic price would have been. It does say that uh, TSMC is going to be spending $100 billion to expand their capacity over the next three years in this article. So, they're trying. I mean... <laughs> Regardless of that, I mean, they also have, I think, let's see, a contract with Apple for their next set of chips, I believe, a contract with AMD for their next processor and GPU. Uh, NVIDIA, I think, got split between, like, two different places because they didn't have the capacity, they were saying. I think so, yeah. I might be operating on a little bit old information here. I can't remember when I was reading about this. But yeah, to say that is demand is very high right now and odds are it isn't going down. We're not going to stop shoving computers and things. Right, right. It's just interesting because you have these companies that are designing the chips that are doing the, the actual design work. And that's gone on fine during the pandemic because the human resources and these these teams are still able to work remotely. It's just yeah. the actual manufacture of these chips, getting the resources, getting the silicon, getting the water, getting the chemicals, getting all the yeah. stuff that you need to make said chips just isn't happening. And that's the problem. So, oh, yeah. I mean, I can't remember. I think we had to put in a rush order. I had to create a, uh, what do you call it? PCB. Mm -hmm. uh, I board, think yeah. we had to rush the order and we still ordered it like three months in advance of when we actually needed it because we were worried like oh you know everyone's capacity is kind of filled up we need to do this quick right yeah I, I definitely understand that and with cisco having these issues um they're the first big tech that i've seen on the the more enterprise side to actually say this rather than your your like Ford where they have the cars or like Apple or just the normal complaints from everybody else. But if this hits the enterprise market, I feel like this is going to be very detrimental. Uh, I just don't, I feel bad for all the techs out there that have to support all the old, like an old Cisco switch that people would have to fire up rather than uh, just not have a switch. You know what I mean? 
Like, yeah, and it's probably isn't helped by like a huge expansion in e-commerce during the pandemic and all that. Like, right? It's, oh, it's a lot. Right. And speaking of e-commerce and online stuff during the pandemic, uh, another thing that has been on the rise is ransomware. Um, ransomware has been on this live that on the rise. This article from BBC here uh, basically is a little bit of an op-ed um, on how uh, all of the the uh, ransomware and other viruses are hitting all of these bigger targets now just because people are able to do it like um, oh yeah people are able to just bring companies down completely using ransomware and keeping the way that's just preventing them from doing business which is insane so um basically uh i have to update that there we go. Uh, but yes. anyway, uh, just bringing their businesses down completely. So I, I work, I am actually very um, knowledgeable in this. Uh, I work a lot with ransomware um, and helping companies recover from that. Um, so it's interesting to see that this is becoming a bigger trend uh, and these companies are just getting screwed, which is a real big shame. What's your thought on that? <laughs> I mean, yeah, it definitely is. Like, honestly, sometimes I think the only reason, like, our power, like, the power grids don't get hacked all the time is just because no one wants to learn Cobalt, the programming language. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> that's what no everything's Cobalt. written in. Yep. But, uh, yeah, the crazy thing about ransomware, too, is like, it's not even, a lot of the times it's, uh, human error based, not computer error based. Like, it's someone, it's getting through someone's passwords and all that, that they shouldn't have. It's someone getting fished and then escalating privileges. They can lock down a system and hold it ransom. Like Exactly. And that's, that's yeah. a really good point too. In a lot of cases, it's a human error. Like you could build a fort all you want, but if there's a hole right in the wall over there, somebody's going to be able to get in. More like if someone just left their keys on the front lawn. <laughs> That too, yeah. They left yeah. the key to the gate on the front lawn and said, it's watch like these for five minutes. Some programmer has toiled and labored over this system, made sure like you can't execute overflow attacks or all these other different attacks to try and get in brute force. And then someone lets a password slip, they get access to something they shouldn't have. And sooner or later you get ransomed. Exactly. And the, the really interesting thing about ransomware in general too is how it spreads it as it's it's a it's a virus that's that's what it is as soon as yeah. you break down that that firewall you break that entry into an organization you then have access to their internal network and their internal network the people generally don't really secure the internal network as much as coming from the outside so you could just move computer to computer, crypt this, crypt that. Like you can, you can take down entire large corporations. That's what happens when in this this uh, um, uh, article here. Granted, this is the BBC, so this is over the pond, and they said they had a a cyber attack on the uh, town of Hackney, and uh, that basically just brought them all to a stop. And uh, it's it's. It's crazy. It really is crazy how much we rely on this. And when it doesn't 
work and it's encrypted and we lose all the access to that, how much it cripples your business. Yeah. So. It's, yeah, it's a rough uh, issue. This is my to, my word of warning. Take a backup. <laughs> like, just take a backup right now. <laughs> also, like, you know, uh, I mean, it is hard because, like, it's a human error thing and, like, they get in and they might get in low, but then, you know, as soon as they can trick basically anyone who has any sort of, like, basically, uh, what do you call it? Admin privileges, more or less. It's, you know, it's the beginning of the end. They Now they can just basically get into anyone's thing and just shut you down. Right, right. Crazy. It is really, really crazy to think about. At this point, I'd imagine, like, every company who's serious about, like, we have an online branch and we need to make sure we're not going to get ransomed. Like, you need phishing classes every like probably every month that's what that's what a lot of companies are doing now they're they're sending yeah. you basically phishing tests uh yeah, 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 yeah and you have to report it as a fish or if you you click on the link either like if you don't report it as a fish or you click on the link you get to go to class and learn about what a phishing email is and why not to click a phishing email yeah i got the yeah i got that i think when i was working at uh, north carolina state uh i don't think i didn't click on the link but i also didn't report it is what happened for me but i don't know if we had to report it yeah i mean i get fish i get phishing attempts all the time i just leave them or oh i or get I... Three, at this point i'm getting two a day yeah, it, it's ridiculous. It's really getting out of hand. Oh, <laughs> uh, geez. Anyway, our next article we got for you today is about the Notre Dame Cathedral Restoration. Uh, this is an article from the Engineering News Record. Basically, they're going to be using 3D models and mock-ups to uh, join uh, the way they're currently working on restoration for the Notre Dame Cathedral here, basically utilizing um, a 3D survey and a 3D uh, model and anything to help categorize the parts that they could salvage and where everything's supposed to go back to. And this is crazy to see that this, this technology will assist in something so catastrophic um, that mm -hmm. burned down almost two years ago and, or two years, it says two years in the article here. Um, and that is absolutely insane to think about for me at least. And it, it, I just love seeing technology helping out with, uh, something like this too. Yeah. Uh, I've recently started to get into like 3d modeling and like CAD and all that. So seeing what they've managed to build here is crazy to me especially like i think it said it took them they've collected the data over years in order to like build something this exact it's really cool yeah and the, the cool right like this is basically a engineering mock-up of the the cathedral as is that they didn't they didn't have the plans for so yeah like and and the beauty of cad and everything like that is you should in theory be able to generate a drawing of any given area based on yeah. what what if it's to scale you can just generate a drawing 
which is insane. So like if if they don't don't know how this worked, they could just be like, all right, select create drawing. And obviously it's a little more complex than that, but um, the ability to just even use this to cross check would be really helpful. Yeah, and since this is Autodesk too, I believe they should be able to do even like physics simulations and all that to make sure it probably won't everything structurally sound as well. Yeah, definitely. They got a uh, Fusion 360 there and uh, Inventor, a couple of their their programs there do a lot of uh, cloud simulations and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, my my old roommate was doing that for uh, his design project on like high temperature stress on metals and stuff like that. So it's definitely going to be interesting to um, see what comes out of this and see what's see what goes on i mean we're we're in the middle of this this restoration it says it's 200 million dollars so far oh yeah to to restore it Forty thousand twisted and partially mentholed scaffolding tubes uh had been cut away uh the great eight organ with its eight thousands pipes left the site um and then they just tried to um the stabilize the structure and now they just cut down a thousand trees to uh to build the the top bit the the roof i thought you were gonna say the pews no 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 no. (laughs) it says uh a thousand oak trees have been procured to rebuild the roof and after much debate the decision was made last summer to replicate the 19th century spire rather than erect a modern structure so yeah i like that yeah same but i we ever learn how that fire started it was a uh, quick side I'm pretty sure they said it was due to uh, the construction repairs leaving a heater on. Oh. Yeah. Oh, let, let me I, I I need to confirm I this. That. Yeah, I hate that because that's, I mean, that building is just beautiful, you know? Right. Religious or not. Yeah, religious or not. I hate to watch Piece of History. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. You just don't want to watch Piece of History. Oh, I, I stand corrected. Uh, and it said it was an electrical short. I I stand Oof. corrected. Uh, where is it? It says, "Da da da da." Could keep the. Um. On 15th April 2009, an electrical short was likely the spark for a blaze that threatened to burn the 850-year-old cathedral. Huh. It says... I'm trying to see if there's anything else that we can can see. Cause... Huh, there's an article from Artnet here for um, 2020 that says one year after the the fire, the cause of the devastating blaze remains shrouded in mystery. Mm. Weird. I think we still might not know. Anyway, I, I heard it was it was something to do with the construction that was going on. From what I could hear, what what I've heard. I don't know. It's hard to tell what's like a probable theory and what's like what actually mm-hmm. happened. Because it's really hard to say. Regardless, they're doing good work. Yeah, I'm happy definitely. it's getting. Definitely. Well, the next thing that we got going on here, 
Um, this is actually going to be an interesting topic, and I, I want to hear your opinion on this. Uh, the Let me go here. The first ever U.S. release of genetically modified mosquitoes began in the Florida Keys, and this is from CNN. Uh, thank you for the article. Basically, um, long story short, they're releasing mosquitoes that is go that are going to uh, basically not be able to reproduce. So, like. There's a lot of outcry, a lot of protest. People aren't sure if it's a good idea and how it's going to do it. Proponents of the article uh, and everything basically are like, hey, this is going to help control uh, disease like uh, West Nile virus and other mosquito transmitted disease. Uh, but it's, I don't know. I don't know how I feel on that. I, I haven't, I'm not super familiar with this article. Um, but basically what I've, um, that's what it says. It says the kill switch is triggered in the larval stage of the female's growth well before hatching and growing large enough to bite and spread disease. So basically they, they die before they're able to spread disease. So, yeah. yeah to my knowledge, mosquitoes are kind of like, I, I don't know how many things eat mosquitoes or not. I think it's very few things eat them. They mostly are just parasitic. I'm pretty sure a fair bit of the eco, the the life down there eats mosquitoes. Let me check. Uh, I'd have, to, I'm not quite sure. I know mosquitoes are just generally seen as just terrible. Let's but see. uh, it says here, Orkin, an article from them. What eats mosquitoes? Bats, birds, fish, frogs, turtles, dragonflies, damselflies, and other mosquitoes. And spiders. Yeah. So I do have some concerns there. But on the other hand, I am well aware that, like, I'm pretty sure even in, like, the last few decades, mosquitoes have killed more people than, like, people have ever killed people. I mean, in my opinion... I'm really going way over, but I think it's in the millions per year by spreading disease. I believe so, and that's much more common in areas that are outside of the U.S. Um, True. But I... Happens my, a lot in the U.S. too. Yes. My opinion, thank goodness. I hope they're all no more. I I absolutely hate mosquitoes. Every single time I go outside, I swear I get like four mosquito bites and the little dang nabbit things are getting smarter. They're like biting me on my ankle so I don't feel it. And then I wake up and I'm like, Oh, why is my ankle swollen? And I see I have like 40 mosquito bites. <laughs> Yippee. <laughs> I get it. There's caveats to that. Uh, I know here in Indiana, there's a, uh, there's a kind of carp, I think, that came from Japan. Nice. And like it got out somehow and it is just a scourge on like the Asian everything. Carp? Yeah, it's to the point where... If you go fishing and you catch a carp, you are legally required to kill it. Yeah. Like, no joke. You are required to kill it, and that's it. Like They do that, that with uh, a couple other fish, too. Like, I think it's like the spotted goby or something like that, too. Yeah. And uh, you, you literally cannot throw it back. So we always uh, get a kick of whenever we get one of those, we just throw it up, and we try and see if a seagull can catch it. <laughs> so. Yeah. 
And then another example is uh, I've lived in North Carolina. We have a vine called Kutsu out there mm-hmm. that just chokes out and kills all the local wildlife. It's another just scourge on things. So that's kind of where my concern is coming here is depending on how this affects things, what's going to happen. If it's only going to like choke out other mosquitoes, okay, fine. Like they're mosquitoes. They're if it's literally mostly just going to replace other mosquitoes, that's kind of okay with me. I kind of hate them. I think everyone kind of hates them. But uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. We also don't know what's the deal. I don't know. We don't know how it's overall going to affect the mosquitoes population. Whether it might backfire or something, like it's hard to say. Right, and it's it's going to be interesting too because they it says it was approved in may 2020 and approved the release of up to 750 million genetically altered mosquitoes in 2021 and 2022 i don't know if that's a lot i don't know if that's a little um i don't know what the those numbers are per se but that seems like a lot to me and they go on to basically say how they're expecting this to help eradicate viruses like like zika um and other things that kind of been in around but not necessarily as prevalent as during the um the past that yeah. says it says um in reality the 2021 release will include far fewer than the 750 million approved uh said nathan rose who head head heads regulatory affairs for oxitec the people who made the the mosquitoes and it says in the initial stage 144,000 male mosquitoes will be released in a three-month pilot period uh in which they'll do additional testing to see that they're mating with females in the wild and re- reducing the population as they planned so but i yeah. I'd I'd like to see that. I, I want to see the results of that. I have, like like I said, I have concerns about things backfiring and whatnot. Just because, you know, you are playing with things that you need to be cautious with. Uh if this would backfire and you somehow end up with more mosquitoes somehow, like that's an issue. Right. Or you mess with some gene that does the their ability to reproduce and the uh like the itchiness of their venom or something like that. Like that's two, two very different outcomes. And you don't know. I mean, I don't want any of those like, like horror films where you just have like mutant animals just going. I'm not going that with it, but there's a group in Florida. That's that says you can have secondary things that are affected that you weren't anticipating. Right. Like, uh, like basically, when uh, they reintroduced like wolves to Yellowstone, basically it pushed all the deer out and reduced the deer population, which is what they wanted. But it also brought back like a ton more wildlife and their uh, different plants that had been out of that region. So yeah. like, like that's a secondary side effect. You, you don't know what that's going to be when you, when you start messing with it. Yeah, that's secondary. And then what are those new plants going to bring back as well? Would be like a tertiary thing. Like, like oh, this, this animal eats this a, plant. Yeah, It's a food chain because, you know, every link in the chain is affected. Right, right. That's, that being said, don't like mosquitoes. They spread disease a bunch. You can get, what is it, Zika? I don't remember if you can get Chagas from... Uh, uh, Zika, yellow fever, yellow fever, West Nile virus, dung fever. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot of bad things that come from plus they and they can be itchy so they can go straight yeah. down to you know what 
So, uh, alrighty. Well, the next article you have, Ryan, uh, this is going to be our introduction here to the last bit of our discussion today. And mm. Ryan, you sent in this article. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. This I, was about yeah. mirroring your iPhone front camera to take better uh, selfies in iOS 14. Yeah, so this one was just, uh, this isn't going to be me being really negative. It's just, I thought it was interesting because I can talk about uh, kind of a weird situation that people forget about. Uh, when you take a selfie on your phone, uh, that's not what people see when they look at you. It's mirrored what people see. So it's like what you see when you look in the mirror is what you see when you take a selfie as well. So like by implementing this where they're going to mirror the selfie after it's been mirrored because uh, cameras use mirrors. Yeah, it's it's just like one of those things where, yeah, who who if they see you the right way, like... For all I know, you could have been pushing out your good side, and that wasn't really your good side. Who knows? Yeah. Well, the other, one of the other interesting things is it's one of the reasons uh, or you might not... Sorry, let me rephrase this. You probably would think you'd look weird when they do that mirroring effect because you've never seen yourself not mirrored. Right. But every sees you not mirrored so like to other people it probably looks better but to yourself it probably you think it'd look weird or like not like you which right. is just an interesting just on you know eyes being a thing <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> but i just thought that was interesting and cool because by flipping it technically people will probably like find your photo more representative of you and probably more attractive and whatnot as well Hey, I'm all for that. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, just cool. So Apple, good job on that one. Good job on that one. On to the next one. Not so good <laughs> job on this one. Uh, Apple just got charged in the EU over anti-competitive app policies. And in the U.S. they call this antitrust. In the U.S. they call it anti-competitive. It says the European anti uh, Commission Antitrust Regulator Margrethe... Vestager, I'm so sorry for butchering your name, created that consumers are losing out. Basically, claim that uh, Apple is having a stronghold on the music and app industry, and they are completely dominating the industry and are violating antitrust uh, laws with their... They're distorting competition in the market um, and raising the costs of competing music streaming apps. And uh, basically... They're saying, like, Apple is in breach of EU competition law. So, I don't know. I think they're right here, in my opinion. Because you can't have, you can't have by and large, like, the dystopian movie Wally there controlling everything you do. And in this case, Apple is controlling everything you do with apps. Like, yes. you could, you could sideload an app, but they're going to send you like 40 pop-ups that say, don't do this. And you are going to void your warranty. So are you can't, you, you can't sideload the app without basically putting a completely new version of their operating system on your phone. A, and they hate that. They've been trying to stop that for a long time. I'm pretty sure. Mm -hmm. Jailbreaking as we say, uh, 
I kind of like it because it is, I don't like it. I don't like Apple that much for, well, this is one of the reasons is uh, you cannot get an app onto an iPhone without jailbreaking the iPhone, obviously. Uh, the only way to get the apps on there is through the app store. So you're kind of just stuck. So let's say, uh, I don't think this is going to happen, but let's say tomorrow said, you know, we're probably missing out on a lot of money by Spotify existing when they could be paying for Apple Music. So let's find an excuse to ban Spotify and let's sit and they can make up some excuse. You're in breach of this policy of our app store, ban Spotify. And then all of a sudden, you know, what are you going to do? Apple's market share on phones is in Europe, I guess, 60s. I have to Google the exact number. Uh, you bring but, up a really good point there. Basically, yeah. basically, if they hold the keys to the kingdom and they ain't, they're not going to let you in and they make a product that directly competes with your product, what what are people going to do? You're, they're literally restricting you from being able to um, do, do your main business process. But then again, yeah. that also begs the question, what's a better solution? Would you have? Would you want like government-run app stores? I mean, I feel like that would be a lot worse, but no. it would at least be free. I, I think you should, at the very least, be able to get apps from outside of Apple. Okay, I'm fine with them throwing a warning that says like, "Hey, this might be unsafe. We haven't looked at this." I'm fine with that. So basically, like, could, that installing Joe Schmo's app store alongside the Apple App Store. And then basically yeah. Joe Schmo's app store being like, hey, this is the gateway to all these other apps. That's that's kind of kind of what happens on Android. You have the Google that is Play. What happens on Android. Yeah, you have the, the Google Play Store. Amazon's have... app store. Mm-hmm. There's some other ones you can grab. Yeah, there's like a play something I used in the past. Um, yeah. yeah, there's there's a bunch of marketplaces where you can consume this content. They're all gonna give you that APK file that you could install. With Apple, it is so locked down to where you can't grab the i i forget the the file name i want to say it's like an ipk or something the the uh, apk okay yeah that's well that's androids is it i don't think it's an apk on uh ios oh are you talking about ios yeah. yeah yeah i think it's like an ipk or something like that but uh either way grabbing that file that you could use to actually install the app they they're only allowing you to do that through their walled garden so mm. I actually got it wrong. It's about 30% iOS oh, really? in Europe. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that also does include a lot of Eastern Europe too. So I'd expect more Android phones there as well because it's less, uh, what do you call it? Prosperous, wealthy, whatever you want to say. Yeah. But yeah, it's, and then you can, I mean, that's just the like primary, like obvious, like, oh yeah, Apple can just, make all band the people who compete in what they do like oh i don't want fitbit everyone needs to have an apple watch we don't want spotify everyone needs apple music what about uh, even regardless apple tile what about that one? yeah we'll get to that i'll get to that i'll get to apple tile mm-hmm. <laughs> regardless of that you can have secondary effects where like uh in silicon valley you'll have all these companies who kind of pass employees back and forth so like if some new competitor pops up, you know, who knows? You might have someone like someone who used to work at, say, like Twitter or something, come to Apple and be like, 
oh, I'm still friends with a bunch of like people who work at Twitter and this new companies here. Like, I don't want them to be there and hurt these people I used to be friends with or I'm still friends with who work there. So maybe we can find an excuse to ban them. Like, there's a lot of there's a lot of problems that come by Apple basically having a stranglehold on what can be on an iPhone. Right. Right. And I, I understand completely from a manufacturer's point of view, like, Hey, I don't want this thing. I don't know running on hardware that I built, but at the same time, we got into this a little bit last time. It's the thing you own. If you want to do whatever you want with it, just know the risks, take the, take the, the risk. If you want, if you're willing to do that, your manufacturer doesn't have to support you. If you get your vi- you download some virus from a third party app store, that's not mm-hmm. on them. That's, that's on, on you because you downloaded that thing from the third party app store. It's just restricting yeah. that from even being able to happen is the issue. Yeah. Like I said, you can have a flash message that says, Hey, uh, we have not vetted this. We don't know that it's safe. Are you sure? And you just say, yes. Okay. Right. That's a good happy medium, in my opinion. Yeah. And uh, speaking of happy medium. Speaking of Apple Tile. (laughs) Where were you going with that? I was going to say Apple Tile is uh, trying to be getting to the uh, market with um, or the the Apple. I forget. What do they call it? Is it the Apple Tile or the Apple something i think it's just apple tile okay they're getting into the the market with the actual tile <laughs> yeah i had it open somewhere oh it's I lost air tags track. i apologize it's oh, air tags air tags they're calling them air tags um and yeah so apple air tags getting into the market with tile um basically same same concept with that um and uh, last week, Grizzlo was really um, interested in kind of knowing a little bit more about those and potentially purchasing some of those. I'm not sure how I feel about them personally, just because um, that makes you forced into, once again, Apple's walled garden. So, And then I'm here to grossly, to just, ooh, so many things wrong with them already. Uh, first off, Apple tax, they are more expensive than the pro version of what Tile offers. Uh, Tile's like normal stuff is uh, like even just their normal stuff is much, much cheaper than uh, Apple's Tile. But their pro version is 35 versus Apple's 40 for AirTags. Uh, and then Apple doing its Apple thing, as always, is uh, well, it's the usual like very anti consumer design. Uh, they elected to not put a keychain hole anywhere in the device. So the only way to attach the device to whatever you want it attached to is to buy a rubber mount, basically, that uh, they produce one, obviously. I'm sure they'll make thir- people will make third-party ones just out of spite, because of course they will. <laughs> That's... And it's not... Yeah. And it's not even it's not even a space argument too because already iFixit has uh, shown you can just drill a hole in one and put a key t- a keychain through it. <laughs> They've already shown this. It wasn't 
oh, the technology takes up the space and we need every last inch. No, no, no. No, they just, you're good. Yeah. I'm sure it's useful or whatever. It uses something called like ultra wide spectrum, which allows you to like, I don't know, basically like pinpoint where devices are. Uh, I don't know. I knew of someone in high school back in the day who uh, basically was accomplishing this with like Bluetooth tags on walls, more or less, mm-hmm. to create like guidance systems to like know where people are and walk them through places. But uh, yeah, to, to sum up my opinion on it, it's overpriced. Uh, it's very like anti like usable design. Uh, again, uh, they have a habit of that. <laughs> Yes. And yeah, unless you feel like paying more money to them, in which case it becomes usable. Yeah. We don't take I, the I charger don't in for for uh, environmental reasons now. Nope. Yeah, no, you do it to make more money. Right. Shut your mouth, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> we know the truth, Tim. But yeah, I, I completely agree. I think they're cool. I, I will admit, I think it's really cool what they're doing. I did read a... I mean, yeah, it's interesting. I, I know Matt earlier in the week sent me a really good review from the um, somebody, I think it was from CNET, who actually used one of these on a like an actual flight, trying to basically track their bag through the airport. Um, and long story short, the guy had it um, set up and it was ready to go. He put it on the, the baggage claim, um, basically walked off of the baggage claim and then lost signal to the device. Um, oh, yeah. So, like... It's a signal, man. It's trying to get it through walls and over... I mean, I haven't seen the back of an airport. I imagine it's a lot of machinery and conveyor belts. Seems reasonable to assume that. Uh, right. <laughs> so, like, yeah, I'm not surprised it lost signal that quickly. Yeah, and, and I mean that's not I don't even think that's Apple's fault. That's just the limits of technology. Yeah, unless you have something that's pinging like a cell tower or something. As Yeah, and at which point it's no longer safe to have Correct. on a bag that you're taking on a flight. Yeah. Correct. Uh but yeah, and the interesting bit too was he did use that clip. He did use that that uh like tag clip for it. Yeah, and, the rubber thing. Yeah, and he just kind of had it clipped on the corner of the bag, and he said, if this were me, I would not want to do this. Like, I would want to throw it in the bag. I would want to, like, not have it here. Yeah. So. Worried about it falling off. Right, because you, you don't know. Or, like, keys and stuff, it's probably a little better. Right. You don't know how um, somebody's going to handle your bag. You don't, like. Roughly. Yeah. Fair. The TSA has cracked one of my guitars before. Oh, no. <laughs> oh. so i can promise you it will be rough oh no i'm sorry here i didn't know that oh uh, it was years ago at this point uh definitely but yeah that's that's definitely uh something that's going to be interesting to see um how the market's going to adopt it if people are going to flock more towards that or if they're going to switch to something like tile where it is cheaper and you get the the same features, basically. Yeah, I I think tile goes out farther actually. Hmm. On the distance you can track it. I don't know if tile uses the same ultra uh, wide spectrum or whatever. I think it's called like UDB or something. Yeah, 
something, something like, like that. that. I can't remember. Yeah, it's it's a, a bigger spectrum for Bluetooth. Than UWV, okay. UWV, ultra wide bands. Duh. Not bad. But yeah, I'm happy. I'm happy to just go through right now and just critique everything they announced. Okay, hey. <laughs> that's okay. I, I'm just gonna let you have the floor. Feel free to run with it. Uh, I'm gonna skip over Apple TV because I don't know anyone who uses one. <laughs> Grizzlow. I've never. Does he? I've never met anyone who has an Apple TV. I have an old Gen Three that we used to use. Yeah, I had my family had we had a Gen One that we used only to just cast audio throughout our house. That's, that's what we're. Yeah, that's what we use it for. <laughs> yeah, we only. It was just an old one that we hooked. I think it's a uh, what is it, an optical cable. Yeah. Yeah, you're the speakers that ran throughout our, to an amp or whatever that sent speakers throughout our house. That's the only thing it ever got used for. I don't know. It kind of seems like an overpriced uh, 4K streaming device to me. Yes. Yeah. And you're still going to get ads on the home screen, so. Yes. <laughs> I mean, you get it on other ones, too. Exactly. But yeah, uh, the one that I actually want to talk about is their new iMac. Okay, we had a good discussion all the on new this colors last time. Let's see what your take. Your yeah, take I'm. Ki- is. I'm. Ki- I didn't get to see that one yet. Uh, I I'm not going to go tell you one. until afterwards. Oh, that's fine. It's not going to change my opinion. Uh, <laughs> there's a part of me that I do like it. I, to my knowledge, the M1 chip is genuinely like a cool improvement that actually is. Oh yeah, I put, got got an M1 yeah, right put here. Yeah, a lot of apps. Yeah, to my knowledge, it's a great chip that's actually like put Apple ahead of a lot of places for once. This is an M1. Instead of running on their old, yeah, instead yeah. of running on their old Intel stuff, uh, it's an act. It's an actual justification for the reason they charge so much to add more RAM in and stuff like that. Uh, the the price to add more memory in is still, or storage in rather, is still ridiculous. But whatever. Mm-hmm. It's Apple. You're paying the Apple tax. Uh, Exactly. I have concerns about the new iMac. Okay. Uh, I haven't gotten to see it. I haven't gotten to have my hands on it yet, but I, I've i stopped being able to trust Apple to make what I consider good computing decisions. So I don't trust that they put a fan in this. Oh, okay. Even though their new chip has a much lower power draw and throws much less heat, just putting a fan in there somewhere, you can drop it extra degrees and you can make what already is a fast chip really go faster. That's a good point. I never I never thought about that, honestly. I, yeah. I just saw, ooh, it's nice and thin. Like Yeah, I don't I don't trust them to put a fan in it anymore. They don't do that intelligently anymore. In their twenty seventeen MacBook Air, they put a fan in it, but they didn't put any type of like heat spreader or anything connecting to the fan, which is, if you don't know, standard operating procedure when you make a laptop that's supposed to perform. Right. Hot thing here, put fan on yeah. hot thing. <laughs> yeah, you connect it with some kind of, like, usually a copper tube with uh, water droplets in it to help move the heat through it. And you move the heat to the fan, and then the fan pushes the heat outside of the laptop and brings in cooler air. Right. Simple. I don't trust them to do that on this because they seem to, I get it. Fans can be a little annoying, but I mean, they make fairly quiet fans. It's a desktop, so it's supposed to have higher performance. It might be a good idea. I agree. I agree. Um, 
it's it's interesting too because they are getting so thin now that yeah. you're where would you even put one? I I don't think they put one in there. I I think I think they're just using the entire thing as a heat sink. Yeah, if they're going to use the whole thing as a heat spreader and that's how it's set up, that would actually be an interesting design choice. I'd be interested to see it. Let's see I haven't gotten to uh I don't know if they've gotten released yet. I haven't gotten to see a, a look at the internals yet. Um other parts of it, the processor, I like the M1. It seems like a genuine advancement, so that's cool. Yeah. The screen, probably going to be great. I'm sure their mics and speakers are fine or whatever. Um, it took them... I think people have been asking for a 1080p camera in their anything for... Uh, yes. I don't know, six, seven, eight years now. I don't know for how long. It's been a while. People are like, why does your MacBook Pro still have 720p? Why does your Air have 480p? Like, come on, figure this out. <laughs> I think this is, other than maybe, I think maybe the iPad Pro had a 1080p front-facing camera. I can't quite remember. It might have. But other than that, I think this is their second device or first device where they actually said, okay, we're going to put the 1080p camera in for, you know, web calling and all that. Right. And especially during this last year where, like, you know, web calling, FaceTime, all that has taken off because of, you know, Corona and all that. Now it's more important than ever. And they finally, finally did it after being asked for multiple, multiple years. Right. The other thing that I found really interesting about this too, that Grislow actually pointed out the last time we were talking about this is the, the iMac chin, like the, the, the block of basically yeah, at the bottom. Yeah. The, at the bottom that's, there to my knowledge, that's where their speaker array and mics are. Okay. He says in, in his opinion, he says that should be smaller. I get it. Uh, I'd have to hear what the actual audio quality is. Uh, if the audio quality isn't like shockingly good coming out of it, then yeah, shrink it because you didn't accomplish a good thing anyway. <laughs> but like, yeah, it is. That's a that is a chin. Yeah, that is a big chin. Right. But there's a lot of stuff in that chin, I imagine. Hopefully, hopefully. I don't is do you know if the M1 oh, in it is Hey actually I was looking on their website and you're actually going to be surprised I think look at this they they have a, a thing here where they're showing the speaker and look at that there's a fan That is a fan heat spreader isn't it Yeah hot dog I'm impressed Yeah there's a fan there and did it I would assume that there's probably another one right here Good. I, w- I would think I I you know hope what? so I'm proud. I, I feel like I may have jumped the gun then. This might actually be an okay product. <laughs> I, I'm going to be uh, interested to see that teardown, though. Yeah, I don't know if they've... Do you know if there's any material change to the M1 that's going in the laptops or not? I don't think so. I mean, your M1 chip is your standard ARM64 arch. It's not... Then it might just... Well, yeah, if it's the same like exact chip, then... You know, maybe it's higher binned, maybe it isn't. I don't know. I I I don't know if they have like different M one 
model numbers, I guess. They do have better uh, connectivity, it looks like. Oh, yeah, they, they got 10 gig Ethernet, but that's just dependent on the processor bandwidth. Yeah, yeah. Ooh. Yeah, here. Yeah, four USB and two Thunderbolts, which is nice. I didn't know it was 10 gig Ethernet. I just saw well, Ethernet. Well, that's not standard. It, it's it's an upgrade. Mm, gotcha. But. I mean, at least they offer the option for people who actually need it. Right. I mean, when you're going to be dropping $1,300 on a computer, yeah, it might as well be an option. Yeah, if this is going to be like a portal for like people who do, you know, high capacity creative things, like I, I apologize, it is not. I was looking at the older iMac; they only have gigabit. Ethernet. Ah, that's yeah, yeah, and it says it's through the power brick, which is also interesting. Ooh, that means there's that... a new power connector whose brick houses an Ethernet port. That's interesting. Once again, there's there's your design considerations right there. I don't mind that at all, though, because that's going to be near the wall, so you don't have this un... You only have one uncomfortable cable coming up from the wall that way. True. So I think that's actually a pretty elegant solution. I'll give them some credit there. Yeah, and I mean, you'll need the thing to run the computer anyway, so might as well. Yeah. Because I'm like, oh, what if you just want to use a normal plug in the back of the thing? And I'm like, I highly doubt they'll... They have they have to have some sort of proprietary connector or something there. Oh yeah, it's passing Ethernet along for sure. Yeah, that that's why I'm like. You've... I I imagine there's no way they don't have some kind of a shroud between the actual power. Well, no, if your power is coming pretty consistent from your power brick, I guess you don't need a shroud to protect here, uh, the Ethernet line. They they show some animation it's here. Cool. I appreciate that. That's. An actual, like, smart design consideration that feels well thought out and good. Right, yeah. Here in the browsers, see, they show, they, they show this, this connector. Yeah, this is, this is a... Oh, I thought it said four USB-Cs and two Thunderbolts. It's four USB-Cs, two of which are Thunderbolts. Yes. Ah, that's why I was asking, because I was wondering how it had so much more I.O. than the uh, iMac Pro. Oh, Okay. Yeah, oh, it I has the same. That. Yeah, and it's got four a US... headphone jack and four USB Cs. Yeah. Actually, I think the doesn't the iMac Pro only have two. The iMac, Pro, I think you're right. I don't know. Also, why does this thing need magnets on the back for the power connector? It's Apple. It feels less uh, secure that way to me. Once again, it's Apple. Plugging it in normally, and it's a power connector, so it's something you do once. It's not like MagSafe, where it's an everyday thing, so it was really convenient. Right. I don't know. Weird. Yeah, I'm curious. I want to see a full teardown. I want to see its performance versus the uh, Mac Pro, or the iMac Pro, or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Is it just the Mac Pro? Mac Pro, I whatever their new, whatever their new high quality uh, Mac is, laptop. Because if it's, I don't know, I'm gonna be disappointed if it doesn't perform better and it has actual fans in it. Right. I don't know if the Pro fans or not. I just don't trust them to put fans in things. It's something I actually have to look for now. Actually. <laughs> yeah. And uh, let's see, what was the other one? They've slapped the M1 and the iPad Pro. Mm-hmm. What's your thoughts? Ooh. 
People oh, people cool. are saying that at that point they should put Mac OS on an iPad. Uh on the iPad. Pro. No. Okay. Not just because that well, there's two options here. They either should overhaul Mac OS so that it feels normal to have a touchscreen in a Mac OS. And then they can release touchscreen iMacs, which would be really cool. But uh, barring that, because you use touch to get around iOS and the iPad Pro, Mac OS feels like it'd be more clunky than elegant on it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I do know there's some decent uh, iPad Pro things that people use for like that actually take a little bit of processing power that this would be good for. Um, you're going to be able to edit uh, things completely in Photoshop and uh, Adobe and all that on them too, which is cool. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, I don't know. iPad Pro has always felt a little awkward to me. Mm-hmm. Place like I guess now, if they really do get everything over to ARM for their desktop applications and all that, and companies are cooperating and they're releasing everything on ARM. The iPad Pro might become really useful because you'll now have you know all these Adobe things and whatnot on there. You'll have I know there's a couple like engineering drawing engines that iPad Pro has. I've seen a lot of the real- I've seen a lot of accessory like like where you have your your main engineering workstation and then you could like pull off and do some stuff on mm-hmm. on your your iPad or whatever. Yeah, I know you watch you've watched uh, stuff made here on YouTube. I know he uses mm-hmm. it for like some like conceptual drawings for stuff. Yeah. Like, like a sketchbook of some sort, not full cat or anything, but like good conceptual, like, okay, here's the theory. Now let me figure out something that actually works, but yeah. Cool. For all this is the least egregious, like announcement ceremony they've had for me in a long time. (laughs) Tile. Don't think it's at all worth what it is. The, the, Uh, the, the, interesting. Okay. Pro might find a place one day. Definitely, definitely, yeah. Might. The uh That's their their yeah. air tag. <laughs> yeah, their air tag definitely. Uh we'll need to find its market and if they can get that market, I mean, we'll see where it goes. But yeah. I definitely think there's better competitors out there that can that have done it a little longer um and know a little bit more about um the finding lost stuff industry. So and that have keychain hold. That too. <laughs> I think that is the most glaring issue. <laughs> right. Right, right. Well, I think that's all the time we have for today. Thank you so much to Ryan for being here. And this was a lot of fun. I uh, hope you had a great time as well. Um, Ryan was able to get some of his uh, Apple opinions out, which I hope makes him a... Yep. It feels good. Yeah. It makes him a happy man. Uh, But with that, thank you so much for watching Tech Talk Nation this week. Uh, We will be back soon with another episode. Uh, Stay tuned and thanks for watching and have a wonderful night. Thank you for listening to Tech Talk Nation. Tune in next week for more discussion on the latest in tech.